0: What's going on, family? It's me man Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio, and this is On Course with Hart Ramsey. And yeah, you're seeing us again, <laughs> unless you're listening to us. Either way, it's perfectly fine. This is the podcast, of course, where we have some rather casual, sort of casual conversations, where we get to hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God. That's Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pastor Hart, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well, Gerard. How are you doing?
0: I am well, my Lord. So much has happened in our world. And of course, we're in uh, quarantine very much still. Uh, here in Georgia, they started opening things up a few weeks ago. And yeah. in Alabama, they've started to open some things up as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they have. And I, I think it's kind of early. Yeah. Um, I, You know, I'll talk to you about pandemics When this started, of course, I started studying pandemics as far back as the 5th century BC. Wow. And here's what people don't know, Gerard, is that uh, uh, the second wave of a pandemic is is almost 10 times as deadly as the first wave. Wow. There was one pandemic I studied, I'm I'm pretty sure it's the Black Plague, where in the first wave, 5 million people died worldwide. 5 million. That's a lot of people. Yeah, until you look at the second wave when 90
0: million died. Good Lord. Good Lord. And this
1: is, this is information you can Google. It freaked yeah. me out. I was like, so there was one pandemic, uh, and this is a good information to just throw out there initially,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that lasted 26 years one lasted 15 years i mean just to go back and just study pandemics from the year 430 bc all the way up that's the fifth century bc all the way up and you'll find that um they always have a first and second wave the second wave is always always almost 10 times as deadly as the first wave because the people become impatient mm-hmm. uh, about being quarantined now here's the crazy part and i could get them back then with no Wi-Fi and no no, you know, television, no videos, right. no, no smart devices, whatever. Right. uh uh I get it that you get cooped in the house with only books to read or whatever, but for us, we have yeah. all this technology. What are we freaking out about? Yeah. Well, you know, oh,
0: oh. <laughs> I'm nervous already because I know what I've seen on my timeline, and I'm sure you know what you've seen on your timeline, that the desire to get back to normal. Um, seems to be again divided somewhat along racial lines. Of course, where our Caucasian brothers and sisters feel like you know the government is has no business trying to control us like this. We should have free enterprises. We want our haircuts. We want all these other things, and our uh, and people of color are like, hold on now, you know, you're you're op- like here in in Georgia. Of course, they opened up the first things they opened up were the nail salons and the you know the hair places and right. all and bowling. Which yeah. I don't know how essential bowling is, but well, it
1: makes it will make sense to you if you understand. And, and again, I'm not cutting corners, I'm done playing. The gloves <laughs> yes. are off, yeah. mask is on, but gloves are off. Yeah. here's the thing the open Georgia first, yes. Specifically, the target was Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Why Atlanta? Because Atlanta has the largest gay community in the United States, not wow. only that. The largest, remember, this coronavirus targets people with compromised immunosystems. Yes. So you have the largest HIV positive population in the United States, also in Atlanta, wow. by way of the gay community. Wow. Look at the places they opened. They're targeting someone,
0: mm. they're
1: targeting a specific group. Wow. Uh, and I know people say, well, how, they're like, Pastor Remy, how can you say that? It? Because it's true. Because it doesn't make sense naturally. Why open? But why the bowling alley? Yeah, why yeah, the yeah. tattoo? Why is a tattoo parlor considered essential? Who who lobbied the government to say we want a tattoo parlors open? A bowling alley? No one. They're right. targeting a certain group of people. Wow. Okay. Um. They they need a lot of the essential workers are people of color. Yeah. Disproportionately, the black community is being affected by this pandemic. And um and and the reality is the millionaires and billionaires need um the people that they consider to be disposable to be out there risking their lives to make them money. The economy, this whole thing is about who we worship. They worship. We worship. They worship Mammon. Mm. They worship at the altar of Mammon. They need to keep the economy going. I get what they're doing. Now I make mistake about it. Um, uh, if if I am not a poor person. I ain't broke by any stretch of the imagination. My staff budget is a million one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I understand the need for income. But what I'm saying is when you're willing to risk human life for your bottom line, you're operating by a different spirit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as we're seeing uh, certain states are starting to, to get back in. Uh, Alabama being one of course Georgia and about 20 or 25 states Texas and a few others have jumped in states like California and New York and Virginia are like no way Jose Um, but I think what that also does in these states is it causes churches to ask the question because there are churches who uh, obviously miss getting together they miss kind of all the things that are connected to that And they're looking to come back together sooner than later. Uh, You, of course, uh, all churches have been out. We've been out for about two months now. Um, Here's my first question. What do you see is going to be different when we get back? If we get back.
1: Yeah. Anytime. You know what I think? I I think on different levels, the first thing you're going to see initially going back is that, um, they're going to be sparsely attended because people are going to wait to see what happens to the first group who goes back to the church. Gotcha, but I think gotcha. I think we're going. To, I think you're going to see uh, in terms of the way we approach ministry. I think you're going to see a lot more um, things that that we used to rush together to to do will be some things will be online. Like I don't think you're going. To, I think we've seen the end of the midweek service. Mm. I think I think it officially took this to end the midweek service. I think what you're wow. going to see is a lot of weekend services, but you're not going to see a lot of midweek Bible studies and prayer meetings. You will see a lot of this being done virtually. Yeah. Um. Which for, which, if you if you only got 15 people coming to Bible study, why are you going to put the lights on?
0: That's. I forgot point. to get
1: dressed. Um, I think I think um, we we bo- we um, increased our Zoom capacity to 500 individuals. We just wow. we tried it last week; it, it kind of failed. We only got up to 100, mm-hmm. but we have we got to expand it to 500 p- people now, so we could accommodate all our campuses on a Bible study call. Sure, um, and, and the information I could put it uh, on in the chat on the side, so people could see it. Mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying um and and we could we have some good uh our saturday services are on the zoom i love it yeah 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 now, now what i but i have to be in atlanta um for the saturday services for, uh, quite a bit because i want to we, we're still working on a physical presence we, we're working on our dress and mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm in talks right now looking at the property for the atlanta congregation but for the most part some of the some of the things we were coming together to do you that's one change you're going to see a lot of stuff that are going to be considered non-essential physical meetings are going to be online. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Uh, then again, like I said, um, going back to church is going to, you're going to be, there'd be a lot of apprehension initially. Yeah. Um, um, you know, we, Gerard, this is an interesting statement. Um, I remember I told you sometime. I don't know, maybe the last time we had a, a, we were on, I told you that normally for the last 20 years, we've averaged two deaths in our church per year, two mm-hmm. members. And that's, that's huge because that is have three campuses. Cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, in January, between December and the end of or the, the, the first week of February, we buried maybe five to seven people. I think right at wow. seven people. Wow. I, I say seven because it's, we actually have five physical funerals, but two of them, they, didn't, they, didn't, they just cremated. We never even had a memorial service because their family didn't want to come together. Um, oh, wow. And what we found looking back was we had members. I never had members die of, die of the flu. I had two die of the flu. You know, oh. we, we, you know we, we discovered looking back, they didn't die of the flu. Right, wow. In December, people were dying of coronavirus. And we didn't know it. And we didn't know, they, all the doctors knew was they came in with the flu, mm-hmm. and they died of the flu. Mm-hmm. So, so um, but that being said, that, that puts us in the, the frame of mind now, is that we're going to be very intentional coming back together as to how we fellowship. Yeah so I think I think at least for the first year you're going to see uh this r- residual distancing um like ain't going to be no turn to your neighbor you know <laughs> right <laughs> touch
0: three people <laughs> no that's done <laughs>
1: that's I, done. T- t- nobody <laughs> uh, one to three people wave to three people I, right i think that's going to stay in place for until us, because one psychologist said that psychologically they don't believe that we uh, we we understand the damage That has been done to us just from the quarantine.
0: I totally agree with that. Yeah. Totally. I I know me when I'm going out to the store, it is, I've never felt like this before. Like, I never have been so aware of why aren't they wearing masks. Yes. And, And certain stores that I go to that would practice social distancing and other stores that don't think twice about it. And, you know, you know, you could have a sign on the floor, but if the person's right up on you, like, get away from me. Right. You know, I, I never felt like that before. And so, obviously, going back into a church setting where you've got, you know, yeah, we love our brothers and sisters and things like that. But when you don't know kind of what their environment is at home, their atmosphere and things like that, you automatically kind of now go Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, I think um, um, one, of the, one of the issues that, that is to me a, a huge issue is that there are a lot of people, um, when this first started, the president said it was a hoax. He did. And, um, and, and people who, who subscribe to his brand of politics or, pre, or the way he presents himself as rhetoric, they still to this day believe it's a hoax. They, they believe they this do. is being overreported. I mean, even they're worship leaders that I respect. Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: because it's hard for me to re- it's hard for me to respect ignorant people yeah. that are making jokes about it. Wow. Like as if they, act, they they're treating it like it's like it's not real. People are d- and, and the the, re- the issue is with them that bothers me. Do you know how many pastors that said it wasn't real that have actually went to see the Lord? Hmm. Quite a few. Yeah, they died because because they didn't have respect for it. And to yep. me, to me, Gerard, it's like uh, the issue. One of the things coming back together is I think the circle of people we fellowship with will change based on on how um, how people display their faith during this time. Because I don't want to be connected to ignorant people, man. I mean, sure, I don't sure. believe it's the word of God. I think we're gonna, have, gonna there'll be that. Um, um, in the in the Republican. Um, what's called the red states, I've noticed that there's a downplay um, in general of, as to of this virus, and especially in the little town. Like down here in Dothan, I think we had like 15 cases. Oh, wow. Nothing, yeah, nothing compared to the, I, mean, I think we, we got up to maybe 80 over the nine weeks that, that we shut down. Okay. Maybe 80. Uh, maybe uh, I'll say uh, out of the 80, I'm guesstimating maybe 55, 60 has recovered. Wow. Um, if not, you know, so we had maybe I said 20 deaths, maybe uh, across the entire annexed um, mm-hmm. county. So you have like maybe Dothan proper 65,000 or so. And at, we annexed it is probably 120. Okay. And so we've had maybe 25 deaths out of 120,000 people. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not a real big issue here. It has not touched home yet. So, because it has not touched home, you're not getting this visceral response. People are not really sure. caring about it. They think it's a, a gimmick or a game or some fraud or a hoax, whatever. Right. But it's real.
0: It's very real. It's, it's real. And
1: um, we've been getting calls from our people um, mm-hmm. when are you going to open the church? And what oh, I'm wow. saying to them, yeah, the people ask the temple, about well, the governor opening the state. And here's the problem with, with authority they think that because the governor gets on television and say it's safe to open the state again, that everything is okay. Right. And that's, we talked about the second, the second wave come because of that level of ignorance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we've seen some interesting things certainly here in Atlanta where uh, social distancing isn't being practiced um, as it should be. And it's a, a really, really crazy scenario. So, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, where churches stand in all of this. I've, I've talked to some folks where in some cases they've seen giving go down yeah in other cases, they 've seen giving increase um, because you... of of the rate of the, the the range and the reach and things of that nature yeah. um, do you do you think because I know one of the reasons why a number of pastors want to make the decision to come back is the physical presence will inspire people to give yeah. Um, yeah. at the same time you know, we talked about people readily coming back or not coming back because of their concern about um, health and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there could either be an influx of some churches or reduction in some churches now based on the fact that they've actually been able to check out other churches?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of shifting in terms of um, you know how, how- people are saints are about membership and they're they loosely connected at best sure. to the churches. Mm-hmm. You will see a couple of things. Number one, I believe that, that a church's decision to open its doors um, le- sooner or later is going to impact its membership. Okay. Um, because uh, this is a good example. So someone reached out to me and they said, Hey, um, a young, a young believer says, I'm, conf- I'm confused. If we have authority over sickness and disease, then why are we hiding? So I said. So he said, "Why? Why do we just? Why are we laying hands on the sick and they recover?" And I said to them, "I said, I said in the scriptures, right? There is the story of, of not so much. We don't see pandemics in the scripture, especially in the New Testament. But in the scripture, there's a story in the Book of Acts about the persecution of the church. Mm-hmm. And when the church was being persecuted, the only people that stayed in Jerusalem were the were the initial apostles. Everybody else ran for their lives." Wow. The deacons the, 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 in Acts 6, the, the seven men who were filled with the Holy Ghost. Right. Um, they ran. even and I mean, Stephen was filled with the Holy Ghost and power, and he was stoned to death mm-hmm. on this persecution. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, um, I think I said to this young believer, I said, there's a difference between um, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the way we respond in the pandemic, I said, a pandemic is a plague. It's not a regular sickness. It's a plague. Right. So don't, don't use healing scriptures. Don't superimpose healing scriptures over plague. Find out what the Bible says about plagues. Mm. You got it. Yeah. And the scripture that deals with plagues says that the safest place for us. Um, um, when there's a, pl- a plague over the land is, it says the Bible says it shall not come nigh our dwelling. Right. So the safest place for us is in our dwelling. Mm-hmm. That's the promise of God. Don't, don't make it what it doesn't say. Yeah. Um, um, so you're going to have that. And then another issue you're going to find is, yes, you're going to find that some people are going to subscribe more to, to Gerard preferring to be at home and being virtual members. It worked mm-hmm. for a lot of people. There are people who reached out to me and told me that um, they grew spiritually during the pandemic watching our service because they, they got better teaching and they did at their church, so they would prefer to be an e-member of NCC hmm you there's that and yeah. then you're gonna have other people who are checking out uh, one person told me that man they, they went to four services be- i've attended four services before noon <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so either they will stick to that and continue uh, getting that that diet or they will pick one and say i'm going to this church instead of this church because it serves me better it seems to be more of what i desire so yes you're gonna see a shift in people the wonderful thing is a lot of people got saved Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, whether yeah. it's out of fear or realization or whatever, um, or uh, they, they saw the brevity of life and nothing is, is a, a given, mm-hmm. um, or employment is temporary. So a lot of yeah. people are, are seeking the Lord. I believe when the church doors open again and there's a there's a legitimate all clear, mm-hmm. you're gonna see people. You're, churches are gonna fill up again. At least for uh, in the in the, um in the short term, churches are gonna fill yeah. up, and 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 people and they're gonna be transitions. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, I believe, you know, like in a church, like, oh, some people be, prefer to be a member of a smaller congregation where they know the people or, or some people prefer to be a, a, a member of a bigger congregation, where there's more space. You're right, <laughs> so, right. You don't know. Yeah. You know, they'll be shifting, I believe.
0: Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new
1: book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer.
0: It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from stellar award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So... Pick up the chart topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC family choir titled true story in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with pastor Hart Ramsey. Yeah, a a lot of unknowns. I want to ask this, this other question for leaders. Mm -hmm. How should leaders prepare for the idea? Because a lot of leaders, of course, um, are attached, that's not a necessarily bad thing, to their members, attached to however many members they may be, et cetera, et cetera, this potential shift that inevitably will happen. um, How should pastors prepare for the Mm -hmm. reopening of churches? Because I don't, I mean, obviously for a lot, it was a shift going online exclusively. Mm-hmm. now afterwards some things obviously are going to change how should they prepare for, for that moment
1: i think uh, i was talking to some, um, one of my creative uh, team members today um, on one of the pastors that that um and i have a team of creative people creative minds around me and what, what we are talking about is i believe that the, there should be a phase in mm. to going back to church like, like maybe a, a three-step uh, okay. five step or five-step or whatever-step program to going back to church. Phase one, of course, is we worship online. Yeah. Uh, phase two is um, we, we allow a certain amount of people in the building. Mm-hmm. Phase three is um, um, we increase that number. Yeah. Um, f- like, for example, phase two may be um, instead of us coming back to the building, phase two may be, number, phase one is online, phase two may be uh, just house groups. Okay. Phase three may be the building. Yeah. Phase four may be, uh, and in the building we have to we have to actually RSVP. do mm-hmm. show up. We have this amount of people with us, and we could be seated in sections, whatever. Right. Then the next phase may be, um, um if you're a big church, we, we allow only a thousand people in the building. Mm-hmm. And then, as we, as we see how that 's doing, then phase five is we 're coming back, but we in come, all of us coming back, we still practicing social distancing there be no fellowshipping, touching whatever, and then yeah. we give that maybe the longest term, a year or so, and if we, if we register no um, significant issues, then we'll go back to normal. but I want to say this, Gerard and it's important mm-hmm. uh, for this is for all the pastors they're going to be people who will take advantage of the situation, expect people who don't have good hearts to come to your church already knowing that they're sick, attending mm-hmm. a church, not to make people sick, but to be able to go to the hospital and have it documented when, they, when the hospital asks you, well, where have you been? When I went to NCC.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it goes on record that the person said that the, the last place that they went to was the last, last large gathering was NCC. Mm-hmm. Now the attorneys on television talk about, it. if you or anyone that you know have been to a service and you've got coronavirus, mm-hmm. call us at this number. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have those gimmicks and them games. So uh, I believe that pastors have to be prepared legally. Um, when you get to a certain phase of bringing people back to church, your people have to sign or, or when, when they register to come back to church, they have to agree to. I say, I agree to the terms and conditions, And the term and condition is the church is not responsible. Wow. Although the church is, the church is uh, I believe, for do, it is a fiduciary responsibility that the church has to make sure that our facilities and our staff and whatever um, um, lend itself to the health of our congregants. We're not responsible for you getting sick somewhere out there and then come saying that you came to, you see what I'm saying? Right. We have to be mindful. And then there's an issue of this particular virus uh, goes to a phase where it's asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. We have to be mindful um, that we got to pay attention to how we, we have to, we can't just get together. We have to sit down and come up with a plan. Right. We, like for us, we've already um, received a, a some directive from our first responders. Our our, our people, the people who work in the medical field, who are members of the church, who are our first response team at the church, has sent us like a, a manifesto, a list of okay, this is what we think needs to happen. Right. To us now, they are the medical prophets. They're the sons yeah. of Issachar. They're the ones. They're the ones who tell us in these times, this is what you should be doing. Absolutely. As a pastor, I respond to what they say.
0: Yeah. See yeah. what I'm
1: saying? And, and I make sure that, that we're gonna disseminate that information throughout the online services to, to make sure people are aware of what mm-hmm. we're thinking, what we're, what, how we're moving. Um, these are critical. In other words, pastors need a strategic plan, an mm-hmm. overarching plan, a thorough plan, and from the le- from the legal to the medical to the theological to the psychological, you, you need to cover the bases and make sure you're doing your due diligence. This ain't one of the things where you could throw up a sign, come grow with us, and you could run in there and preach some craziness from scripture and, call, <laughs> and then receive an offering. We got to yeah. be doing our job to protect our people. You know, as you said that,
0: one of the things that I'm I'm wondering because you mentioned the first responders do you think that every church in the return should have like on staff first responders and should they be doing testing
1: when you come in the door that's a great idea the the, the thing you're though is testing is so hard to find what is going on with our government you, you know and
0: it's and it's crazy because you would think this is why this just seems so odd to me if right. you have a pandemic there should be more testing available, period. It's right. alarming to me that not even 1% of the people in this state have been tested, and they, they felt like it was important enough to close it. Now right. we're going to reopen it, and you still don't have, you I'm know, just- widespread, widespread testing. So I know when uh, we took Jacks to the doctor, um, they changed everything. Like, they wouldn't let us come in to sign in the building. We had to sign in outside. Um, and we went to walk in and they immediately took our temperature before we could enter the building. And I wonder, you know, is that the type of thing that you need to have in churches now? You know, um, I, I I just, because part of me feels like, and I think we know this. So larger churches, um, may think some of these things through, they may not, some of this might be the first time they're hearing this, but I think Mm -hmm. smaller churches, um, who could really be in more danger. Some of them right. have older congregations or more mixed congregations in terms of age and demographics and health issues that may be just so excited to come back to church that nobody's thought about, you know, let's, let, Hey, you got to get tested before you come in. Like if, if nothing else, but we're gonna take your temperature, you know? Right. Um, and those, and those kind. I mean, like, should those practical things it almost reminds me and i hate to put it in this regard of kind of church after 9 11 yeah you know yeah. like do you have security there all yeah. of a
1: sudden you know so go ahead the was interesting gerard that's a good point after 9 11 uh, security was it became a normal part of church before yes. only big ministries like uh jakes and people mm-hmm. like that but but like every sunday morning at our churches uh and inside the community you all don't see them but we have police there Mm -hmm. we pay police to be there yeah uh we have plain clothes people that with with uh guns with names their guns Mm -hmm. are named i mean we have we have police officers we have this is a part of security i think it has to be the case especially in, in the i think that's in the first um year yeah until this thing dies down. And, and um, one of the biggest issues, uh, and this is a little bit off the, the path, but one of the biggest issues that we have in, in the White House is that um, he's surrounded by a lot of, quote unquote, prophetic voices. And they're, they're saying things to him that he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, uh, a prophecy that was given in 1981 about this thing, and, and the prophecy, I think, what's his name? His name is Kuntz. And he said that the, uh, it would just disappear. So mm-hmm. they told the president about this prophecy. So he gets out there and says, hey, it's going to just disappear. Well, but until it does disappear, you got to do due diligence. Right. And, and the fact that, uh, that, that it was prophesied back then, pr- I mean, uh, policy and prophecy are two different things. Very true. Very um, true. In a church, Although we have the word of the Lord that we're going to be here, we still got to take precautions. We still got to do what we have to do. We have to make sure people are okay. And one of the biggest things for me as a senior pastor who have been a senior pastor for going three decades, one of my challenges is children's church. Mm. Because adults have the presence of mind and they don't even always do. Like I've had people come to the house and do work in the last couple of weeks, try to come over and hug me. No, you're not going to hug me. Right, 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 right. um I' had to tell one guy we I am social distancing. stay over there. he kept trying to come up on me like what what you want to with me for right 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 you know? right so so children's church is gonna be difficult because there's there's hardly a way to keep the children apart from each other without right. without um going over and above um like giving them their own whatever it's this, this, this it's a difficult task, yeah.
0: yeah. There's a, there's a lot, a lot yeah. that I think people have to really give thought to. And then one of the things that's happened, and I've seen this in some other areas where there are people literally rethinking everything. Um, I've seen uh, sports figures, you know, saying, I'm not sure that I want to do this anymore. I've seen artists that are yeah. saying, I'm, I'm not sure that I want to do this anymore. And it makes me wonder how many pastors who have had this moment yeah. are now saying, doing, I don't know that I wanna do this anymore.
1: Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. But I planned at the end of this year to, to uh, transition the ministry t- uh, to my son to be the senior pastor, and I would be like the oversight in, in, uh, uh, in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of pastors um, who do this are rethinking it for more reasons than you believe. Like, you know, we just had another pastoral suicide,
0: we sure did. Sure and did. I
1: believe, and I believe that, uh, uh and I've talked, I talk. I'm talking to pastors who are telling me, man, um, I spent my life building this man. And just in three or four weeks, man, I'm losing touch with half my people and uh-huh. income is down tremendously.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, um, it's, it, it's, really a, a weight, man. I mean, um, there, there are pastors showing, um, symptoms of, 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 un, of deep underlying stress. Yeah. Um, and so I believe you're going to see a lot of pastors walk away. Uh, I said at the beginning of the year, I gave two uh, major prophetic words. One of them was, I don't know why, I didn't know at first why God was saying it. The Lord was saying, your your best work this year is going to come out of collaborations. Mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. the, the, I, saw, I know you have seen you saw when I posted that. Yeah. The, uh, the ministry of the co-laborer, the mentality of the co-laborer mm-hmm. is, is what's going to get us over with. I mean, over to this uh, whole deal. And so... Yeah. As you look, you'll see from week to week um, a group of people, a bunch like, like, there was just a, a hymn singing thing with Pastor Jeremy Tuck, yeah, with uh, Kim Burrell, Dorinda uh, uh, Cole, mm-hmm. um, and these people, uh, because that's what God is saying. And what I love about the Lord is that He's warning us, like, this, He's giving us instruction this is what you need to do, right? And I believe that a lot of churches, I said all that to say that a lot of churches. Are going to realize that doing work with a co-laborer is easier than doing it alone. Yes. And some churches are going to be absorbed in one another. I, I'm, I'm believing God that three, four churches will join together to make one healthy church instead yeah. of four unhealthy churches just out there, you know, flailing yeah. in the wind. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense.
0: Um, it makes a lot of sense. And this this pandemic, in a
1: strange
0: way, could be the permission slip for some people to go okay I'm done yeah. yeah so so for the people who are because this is a lot of people, if you on one hand, I think there's going to be the pastors who are like, I'm done, and then the yeah. flip side is there are those who will ultimately absorb mm-hmm. those people yeah. um what what do you say to the pastor what do you say to both pastors, the pastor who says I'm done. The weight of this is too much. I can't get people to give. I, you know, and then the other ones who are like, "Hey, let's march forward and welcome." What, what do you say to both of those?
1: Well, the, 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 the guy who's the first of the guy who's going to receive the, um, um, the harvest, so to speak. He's gonna he's gonna reap what he has not sown. To that guy, I think he needs to be grateful, and he needs to be also. He also have to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's going to, um, any large influx of members, new members is going to shift your culture somewhat and, uh, and be prepared for the shifting culture. Um, just be prepared to, uh, to train again and do a lot of different things that you, you thought you were um, done with. For the guy, yeah. who's, le- the guy who's leaving ministry, um, uh, he may not be leaving ministry, but he's leaving the pastorate. Right. Um, he's going to be an asset to some leader. So don't be afraid to humble yourself. And um, if you offer a position with someone, take it, mm-hmm. take it. And, 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 and again, rediscover what you, rediscover what you have to offer by way of gifting, by way of leadership, by way of experience. Um, and don't, don't look at it as a, a failure. Look at it as an opportunity to, to do something else. Life is short. Yeah. In the earth. And, 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 um, Look at it as an opportunity. I don't tell you right now. From the beginning of this, I think every pastor should have come to the the or, the, or come to the realization that there's a fifty percent chance that you're going to come out of this and your church will not be here. And 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 I think that's what your ego has to be dealt with, man. Your your, your identity cannot be tied into your church. You will, you you you, will, when you look online, you will see that nowhere do I go by pastor heart. I always go by heart Ramsey. Mm -hmm. the reason i do that is because at the end of the day any any prefix or suffix will fit my name Mm. based on where i'm being utilized by the lord yeah um but i've committed this um it takes a certain kind of leader to say we're gonna survive this yes you have i think you have to will it you have to you have to come hell or high water we're gonna we're gonna survive this and that's my mentality you know my mentality is um uh, you had to have prepared yesterday for a situation like this, right. Having an operating expense uh, in excess of six months. Um, uh, I've committed to my staff, I'm not firing anybody unless mm-hmm. the person don't want to work. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, if they don't want to work, then I can accommodate them. But, right, the people, the people that roll with me up to this point, the people that got me here, yeah. I'm, I'm now it's my turn to make sure they're good, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we are doing whatever's necessary. We put them think we have programs and systems in place to make sure. And uh, we're not, and I'm telling you what we're not going to do. And I want to serve notice on this. I'm not going to open the doors of. We have 21 million dollars worth of facility. Mm-hmm. I'm not opening the doors to any one of those facilities just for the sake of increasing offerings. The devil don't lie to somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. doing it to God's people. Yeah. You know, if it's the will of the Lord that that, that your, your move of God, or my move of God has come to an end. If God God has other things He wants us to do. hmm you know,
0: Let's 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 go there for a second because I think for a lot of people there's been a lot of trauma with this you know 21, 22 million people have lost their jobs um, you know which is a, a staggering number like they, yeah. these are Great Depression numbers yeah. in that nine were, weeks in nine weeks yeah. you know um, people who were not prepared obviously. To lose their jobs in spaces that they thought were secure and what's tough is some of the jobs that are opening and expanding are jobs that are uh below the pay grade that they once held Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of people who are feeling kind of helpless because they're just like where do i go what do i do there is a new normal on a lot of levels here what do you say to the person who the, the 22 plus million people that have been reported, because that means there's obviously more, yeah. um, who've lost their job and are trying to figure out, what do I do now? And, and some of those people could be in a space where now they can't get to their church.
1: Yeah, yeah. They
0: can't you know, hug a person that might you know, hug them and pray for them and tell them things are going to be all right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you tell them as they try to pick up the pieces to start over again?
1: That's a hard one, but I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you this. This first of all, I'm I am a proponent for. Um, I use myself for an example, uh, and I'm not talking about offerings. I'm talking about online. I, I w- I've committed to social media ministry for years. Yes. Um. I've received an average of between three. I'll three and $900 a week through my wow. cash app. Wow. Every week of this pandemic. Wow. Because I've committed to remain consistent, being a blessing to other people. Yeah. I'll do videos. I'll do. And so uh, I, have, I have people on my staff right now that they, they, they're still working for, with me, but they're online. They're doing cooking. They're doing. When you do something online that's a benefit to other people, by faith, put your. your PayPal or cash app information there and mm-hmm. let God determine what your income is going to be based on that. Online is a great unexplored, um, territory. Yeah. It's the new horizon, new terrain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, um, e-stores, um, doing info, doing not info, but uh, uh, training or videos or whatever. Um, be cr- and don't give up. The, the, see, what the enemy wants you to do is to, you say, "I don't feel like I'm depressed." That comes from a, a pessimistic thinking. You're thinking that it's it's over. You're thinking, no, you got to. This is the time to fight. If you're fighting, you're gonna fight when the when the war starts. Fight. Yeah. You refuse to go down like this. Um, um, for the pastors, you know, there are a lot of pastors, for example, Gerard, who refuse to, to, to get online and explore. Man, get online. Ask some questions. Um, uh, if you spent the, the majority of your ministry telling people that Facebook is of the devil, get off social media, and now you see what... Repent. Mm-hmm. Get on. Let your first conversation be online. Man, listen, I said I had no idea. It's amazing how God could use things to teach a lesson. Humble yourself and watch what God is going to do. I really believe... That there are ways for, uh, where there's a will, there is a way, and where there's a, where there's a, a won't, there's an excuse. Mm-hmm. I believe that this is going this this season going to show what people are made of. I want to suggest to people don't be afraid to ask for help as well. Yeah. Um, the most a person can tell you is I don't have it. The most you know, ask for help. Mm-hmm. And don't get angry. Don't 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 try to bad the church because they don't have the money to help you. Yeah. Um um. Our situation, my first commitment was to my staff. I want to make sure that I had resources to help my staff and the members. Okay. And, and, and I'm, I'm not uh, ashamed of the fact that, um, that uh, I put a priority on helping my, my staff and members. And why? Why? Because the Bible said there'd be um, the tithe and offerings is to make sure there's meat in the house. As the saints are giving, I'm making sure we take care of the people in the house. So what about the community? But what about the community? Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is, as according to the biblical record, our job is to take care of the poor among us yeah the government takes care about take care of the point of community and if we have extra then we could help the community but uh, but if we take everything that comes in and help the community then what about the people who have been sowing you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. you have to have a strategy you have to have a, a system that that makes sense that you utilize during this time and then if, if our community really needs extra help then we reach out to our people and say hey listen we need extra to help the community yeah. Um, what I love about my leaders, I'm gonna I'm shout out my leaders real quickly, is that when the first needs came up, my leaders did not reach out to the church. When the first needs arose in our congregation during this pandemic, the, the leaders gathered money themselves. Wow. And started helping the people. I was sending, I was, help, I was sending cash. App, my wife and I were sending cash apps to people who had needs. Yeah. Um, people. The, uh, I get text messages saying, "Hey, I lost my job, Pastor." Um. And the first thing I say is, what's your cash app? I don't have one, but my, my husband has one. Send me his cash app. And I just yeah. start sending without asking questions. I don't care about what you need. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you just lost your job, you're going to need something. <laughs> this is true. Very true. And I think that our love goes into, into play and, 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 and our prayer, our faith, all these things that we've been talking about in, um, in during peacetime. This is war. This is a spiritual yeah. war. Yeah. And it's time to put them into action
0: absolutely absolutely well i hope you guys have found this to be helpful because certainly during a pandemic you need as much help (laughs) as you can get and when people are talking about reopening sometimes you know those of us in the faith-based community are the last to really think about these things you know uh closing caught us unprepared opening hopefully
1: won't let me add something before we end yes if you're one of those people that are in a service industry and you have to go back to work, protect yourself yes. and put out a criteria. Yes. If you are a hairstylist, a nail tech, a, a barber, mm-hmm. uh, when you're setting up your appointments, wear a mask, wear gloves, and require the people you service to do the same. Absolutely. Do not cook course well, i don't offend people you well i prefer to offend people and be dead what about that period You know, I prefer to keep six feet than to be six feet. There you go.
0: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. No, absolutely. And so I hope you guys will certainly heed that. Uh, We'd love to hear from you by way of social media. Of course, you can reach out to Pastor Hart at Hart Ramsey. And uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. So if you've got a comment or a thought, hit us up on social media and use the hashtag either on course or heart to heart. It's H-A-R-T, the number two, H-E-A-R-T. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. And join us next time as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.